wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Welcome, folks, to the penultimate episode of Wrestle Rant Radio before WrestleMania 35 in a mere 10 more days. And I'm actually only one week away from leaving for New York City with Alexis, as we're going to be arriving around Thursday evening time to just explore the city and enjoy all the WrestleMania weekend festivities, including NXT TakeOver New York, G1 Supercard, WrestleCon, WrestleMania Access, Monday Night Raw, and of course, WrestleMania 35. And I've been in the WrestleMania mood for like about a month, month or two now, pretty much ever since I booked my trip to New York to begin with back in like early February, uh, which was just so exciting when I did it at the time and even a month removed from booking the trip, I'm still super stoked for WrestleMania. Despite how bad some of the build has been for this pay-per-view, just the entire experience of WrestleMania weekend is something I cannot put into words. My experience over WrestleMania 33 weekend two years ago back in Orlando was something I will never forget. Hopefully this New York uh, experience, my New York City experience, will be just as great, if not even better. And of course, I'm familiar with New York City. I've been to plenty of shows in the Barclays, Brooklyn area, New York City itself. So it's going to be a lot of fun, but there's a lot of stuff to do there, like I said, between TakeOver, G1 Supercard, Mania, Raw, all the Comic-Cons, you know, fucking WrestleCon, all that other shit. So it's going to be awesome. I'm super looking forward to it. And I will be leaving next Thursday. We'll be there from Thursday to the following Tuesday. So we have a full five days to enjoy the city that never sleeps. And I can tell you right now, I will not be sleeping one bit. And you might think to yourself, oh, like, oh, you may not sleep in general. Like, how much sleep do you ordinarily get? Listen, I try to get at least eight hours of sleep every freaking night. That's how I stay energized. I don't just get hyped. I stay hyped. To steal a quote from Ojo Raleigh, who has not been relevant in years. But um, sleep is like one of my biggest priorities, to be honest with you. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get a ton of sleep while I'm in New York City. My computer just freaking went off, so I apologize for that. But um, it's going to be a fun time. So we're talking all things, you know, Raw, SmackDown, WWE Today before next week's huge go-home show, which will feature picks, previews, and predictions for WrestleMania, as well as NXT TakeOver New York, and which has become an annual tradition. Uh, joining me will be the incomparable Mr. Marceau RJ. So he'll be there as well at WrestleMania, as well as TakeOver with yours truly. So it's going to be awesome, and I'm super looking forward to it. But um, yeah, like I mentioned, I've been in the WrestleMania mood for a while now, but really, I super got excited for Mania after being at SmackDown this week in Uncasville, if that's how you pronounce it. I've been living in Connecticut my entire life, and I still do not know how to properly pronounce that freaking city town's name, Uncasville. I know it's Mohegan Sun, but I had never been there prior to this past week, which was awesome. It was a great experience. It's a really nice arena. Um, the arena itself is very small, but surrounding the arena is like a casino. 
So you can go gamble, and of course I can gamble. I'm 23 years old. I just choose not to. Um, instead, I got some food. We played some games. It was awesome. It's a very, very nice area. A lot of food, ice cream over there, candy shop, a lot of cool stuff to do. So if you're ever in Connecticut, which I don't know why you would be unless you live here, not many people travel to Connecticut, um, definitely check out Mohegan Sun. But I'll be talking all about SmackDown, my on-site report from the show momentarily. But before we get started, you guys can check me out on the socials, on the Twitter machine, at WrestleRant, um, on Facebook as well at facebook.com backslash graham.gsm.matthews and also on YouTube at youtube.com backslash c backslash graham.gsm.matthews. Uh, you can find me on nextairwrestling.net as well for full episodes of Wrestle Rant Radio every single Thursday um, as well as on iTunes. Simply search up Wrestle Rant Radio on the Apple Podcast app. You'll get every new episode on Thursdays and also every archived episode dating back to October of 2013. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe today. Uh, so before we get to Raw and my thoughts from being at SmackDown on Tuesday as well as 205 Live, which... There's not a ton to report on, but I do want to talk about that as well. Um, A few different things to mention here. First, the latest inductees into the WWE Hall of Fame is none other than the Hart Foundation, um, but just Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart. Now, it was rumored a few months back that the entire faction would be inducted, or at least certain members. Members such as Jimmy Hart, I believe the British Bulldog, if I'm not mistaken. I know Owen Hart was not a part of that group. British Bulldog... Might have been. I'm not saying that Owen Hart wasn't in the Hart Foundation. I'm not that dumb. But I'm saying in the group that would have been inducted into the Hall of Fame. But because of the widow stuff with Martha Hart, I believe is her name. um, And how she wants no part of Owen going into the Hall of Fame. And it's just not going to happen anytime soon. So between that and also D-Generation X already slated to go into the Hall of Fame this year as the headliners. Maybe they didn't want two factions um, and it's not like they didn't want, oh, two Pothamus inductees because of, you know, China already going in. She passed away a few years ago, and we don't want Jim Neidhart and the, and the Bulldog to go in, blah, blah, blah. They're inducting Jim Neidhart, so it's not like they don't want more than one Pothamus inductee because they already have one in China. We're going to have a second one in Jim Neidhart, uh, in Jim Neidhart as well. Uh, my question, as they posed during Raw this past week, was whether they would actually follow through on the induction for Bam Bam Bigelow. Now, it was rumored about a year ago that he would be inducted over WrestleMania 34 weekend. He never was, um, which was fine. I mean, I think he he deserves to be inducted eventually. But it made more sense, to be quite honest with you, for him to be inducted this year, considering how they'll be in New Jersey. I think the ceremony takes place at the Barclays Center. So, New York, New Jersey, whatever. He's from this area. It makes the most sense. He's long overdue for an induction. Um, And as of right now, he has not yet been announced. Now, we have one more week until WrestleMania 35. They have one more week to announce any remaining inductees into the Hall of Fame. Because so far, we have Tori Wilson. We have the Hart Foundation. We have D-Generation X, obviously. The Honky Tonk Man. And the Warrior Award recipient, Sue Akison, whatever her last name is. The employee that works for WWE currently and has been for like the last 30, 40 years. I believe that's all that we have so far for the Hall of Fame. Oh, and obviously the Harlem Harlem Heat as well. So now that I think about it, it's a bit weird they're inducting two tag teams in one class um, between Harlem Heat and the Hart Foundation. Like, I'm, I'm very happy Jim Neidhart is getting in, but I talked about this a few weeks ago. All the two-time Hall of Famers, it's ridiculous. Like, we already had Ric Flair go in twice. Shawn Michaels, per the DX induction, was going to go in twice this year. 
Then they inducted Harlem Heat, or announced that Harlem Heat would be inducted this year. So Booker T is now going to be a two-time Hall of Famer, which is where I personally drew the line. Bret Hart being a two-time Hall of Famer, I have no issue with that. He's a GOAT, greatest of all time. He's, you know, a legend. So him going in twice doesn't really bother me as much. Booker T going in twice, which, again, maybe years down the road, I'd be more open to it. But when you already have the Hart Foundation, Booker T's already gone in once before. To induct him again as part of Harlem Heat, I feel, is a bit of a waste. But that's me personally. The Hall of Fame means different things to different people. It's a huge honor for him. So no slight on Booker T. Booker T is a very accomplished competitor. Just the idea of him going in twice so soon to me is a bit questionable, to say the least. But like I said, we do have one more week until WrestleMania 35 for them to announce any outstanding inductees, which could very well be Bam Bam Bigelow, which at this point I find hard to believe. Um, or, who was it? Um, uh, the Barber, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, was I know rumored at one point to be inducted, which is likely going to happen. Hulk Hogan, I believe, is going to be flown in for WrestleMania 35. So, if anyone's going to be inducted, if there's any one more person to be inducted, it would be Beefcake and not Bigelow which to me is just mind-boggling because I felt Bigelow was a lock over anybody. But it's Beefcake getting the nod in the Hall of Fame over Bigelow, which to me is a bit of a travesty. Maybe travesty is too strong of a word, but I, I do not agree with that pick at all. Again, we have one more a week. We'll find out come Monday or Tuesday who's going into the Hall of Fame. If anybody, they might have been done with the inductees, as of right now, as people have pointed out on Twitter, specifically at Jamie Lee Mack, shout out to him, we have no celebrity inductee this year. So, possibly they could induct one more person, it could be a celebrity, it may not be Bigelow, it may not be Beefcake, it could be fucking Jon Stewart for all we know. But this year's Hall of Fame class, to say the least, not all that strong on paper. In a weird bit of news from this past week, it was announced on Monday that Mustafa Ali is Mustafa No More. He will simply be going by Ali going forward per WWE's typical name change. And when I say WWE, of course, I just solely mean Vincent Kennedy McMahon. He's had this infatuation for years now of taking people who have A names. And of course, Big E Langston was another victim of this. And he has no A in his name anywhere. But Langston was removed and he's simply Big E now, which sounded stupid at the time. But you kind of get used to it and you don't really mind it as much over time. But uh, over the last number of years, there have been at least four or five people with A names that always see their names removed. Adrian Neville became Neville over time. Antonio Cesaro became Cesaro. Alexander Rusev became Rusev. Andrade Cien Almas became simply Andrade. And Vincent, <laughs> Vincent Kennedy McMahon's disdain for the letter A continued on Monday when Mustafa Ali simply became Ali. Now, of course... If he really hates the letter A, then he would have removed Ali and not Mustafa. But still, anyone whose name either begins or ends with the letter A has their name changed at some point or another. So I'm just simply waiting for when AJ Styles' name becomes either J Styles or AJ, like AJ Lee was known back in the day as. Or, I mean, what other A A name people are left in WWE at this point? Adam Cole could become just Cole. Um, so he doesn't get, you know, mixed up with Michael Cole, which only an idiot would do, but maybe WWE or slash, um, Mr. McMahon's line of thinking is that he's going to be mixed up with Michael Cole per casual fans. Cause they don't know the difference and they're just assuming we're all stupid. But I saw that and I'm like, wow, that's really dumb. And of course we might get used to it over time. Like, 
Andrade Sinalamas has been Andrade for a few months now. And um, it's not really that big of a name change. I love Andrade Sinalamas. I would have just kept it on it at Andrade. But whatever, he's Andrade now. Just simply, you know, or I, I would have kept it Andrade Sinalamas and not just Andrade. But just Andrade is fine too. Mustafa Ali becoming just Ali seems weird to me. Because it sounds like he's going to get mixed up even more so now with Muhammad Ali. And maybe that's what uh, Vince McMahon was thinking when he named when he changed the name. He's like, oh, people are going to mix him up with Muhammad Ali because it's M.A. Uh, you know, Muhammad Ali, Mustafa Ali, sounds so much alike. But people call Muhammad Ali just Ali as well. So, I don't know. I thought that was a bit weird. Maybe it was per his request. Who knows? I am led to believe that it was a WWE slash Vince McMahon decision, as it always is. But I just thought that was weird. On the bright side, though, it was also announced this past week that at WrestleMania 35, Ronda Rousey will be sang to the ring by none other than Joan Jett, the artist who sings Bad Reputation, her current theme song, which she's been using since she arrived in WWE during her time in the UFC as well. So she's been using the song for a very long time now. She actually admitted in a video that she put up on the WWE YouTube channel that she never met her before. So she'll be meeting her for the first time at WrestleMania, which is pretty cool. I don't know if Joan Jett still does concerts and whatnot. I honestly have no clue. Uh, I know the song came out in like the 80s or 90s. It's a pretty old song. Still a badass song that fits Ronda Rousey to a T. Um, but it's really cool they're bringing her in to do the song at WrestleMania. Then again, Living Color. Cult of Personality came out back in the 80s, early 90s. I, I think it was the 80s. And they brought them in to do the song for CM Punk's entrance back in 2013 at that same stadium, MetLife, back in 2013. So that was pretty sick. And, um, you know, obviously, they, they, I think they're still doing, they're still making the rounds. They're still doing concerts, even to this day, from what I understand. And they looked and sounded very good at the events. I'm sure Joan Jett will be no different. But it adds that extra, you know, um, importance to the main event of WrestleMania, which obviously was the biggest announcement this past week that I should probably get to right now. The women will be main eventing WrestleMania for the very first time. This year at MetLife Stadium, Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, the triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship will be going on last, which is really what we all assumed, but you never know a WWE. You don't. And obviously, the feud itself has been very hit or miss over the last number of months. They've either done great work by it or, you know, just done a great job with it. And other times, they've kind of bungled what they, what, what, what they once had with the feud. The momentum they had with Becky Lynch, Ronda, and Charlotte. And uh, some weeks it's very good, some other weeks it's not nearly as great. Thankfully, though, they are closing out WrestleMania. And there are other matches on the card that have been better built. Um, other matches I may be looking more forward to. But that's the only real match that makes sense to have as the main event of WrestleMania. Not Lesnar and Rollins, which should be a great match. But the build has left a lot to be desired. And of course, the same can be said for the Triple Threat Raw Women's Championship match. Don't get me wrong, the build for that bout has been far from perfect from the beginning. It started out with a lot of promise, and somehow WWE lost their way with the whole Royal Rumble, injury, suspension, charges, bullshit that just ended up confusing people far more than necessary. Um, that being said, though, I'm still looking forward to the match. It's going to be a banger of a bout, and you know, in the ring, it's going to be just a great match. So, and it's going to have the big fight feel to what people are looking forward to it. It makes the most sense to close out WrestleMania. So, for that reason alone, I can't wait. And I think it's a great decision to have this be the main event of WrestleMania 35. Now, who comes out on top as the Raw Women's Champion is really anyone's guess. Of course, 
Becky Lynch is the odds-on favorite to walk out as the new champion, but now that Charlotte Flair is the new SmackDown Women's Champion, Ronda Rousey may be sticking around full-time after WrestleMania, after all. Um, Who knows? We're not really sure what's going on post-WrestleMania, going into WrestleMania, at WrestleMania, but it is pretty cool they are indeed closing out with the show um, officially with Ronda, Charlotte, and Becky. That's one thing that plans cannot change on, because of course with WWE, they change plans on a whim. The day of the show, they sometimes decide what match goes on last and the entire lineup of the card. It's nice to know ahead of time that we're getting, for certain, the women closing out WrestleMania. If it's not this year, I honestly do not know when the next time will be. It could very well be next year. But I think when you have the momentum that you have with Becky, Charlotte, and Ronda right now, despite how lackluster the program has been at times, you got to capitalize on that by having them be the main focus the centerpiece of WrestleMania 35. And for that reason alone, I can't wait for it. So that was some cool news coming out of uh, this past week before Monday Night Raw. But speaking of Monday Night Raw, really not that great of a show overall. Quite honestly, it was a very boring three-hour episode. Um, It had its fair share of highlights, which, honestly, the same can be said for almost any other episode of Raw dating back to, like, October, September. Um, This edition was no exception. Every episode just feels like it drags together. It just runs along, and they all feel like the exact same thing. Now, I give them credit for trying to build up a compelling card for WrestleMania, but with so many matches, it becomes tough after a while to give an ample amount of focus to each match. Now, you can devote an entire episode to building up one match in the WrestleMania card. That's typically what NXT does. They kind of share the focus and the television time between all the matches advertised for TakeOver, And they do it from week to week. Some episodes, you may not see Aleister Black. You may not see Adam Cole. You may not see Johnny Gargano. But you're bound to get a good chunk of television time dedicated to those guys the very next week. Raw has a very tough time doing that. Of course, it's a three-hour show compared to NXT's one hour. But there's still no excuse for some of the dumb decisions they make on this show from week to week. Case in point, the Beat the Clock Challenge. What the hell was the point of that? Usually, they bring back the Beat the Clock Challenge to either crown a new number one contender or for whoever is involved to... uh, I know they had done one at one point to decide what the stipulation for a certain match would be or to determine who is going to be entering last in the Royal Rumble or the Elimination Chamber or what have you. This, there was no purpose to this whatsoever. This served zero purpose. Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair are already set to face off of the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. There's no stipulation being added, with the exception of a possible SmackDown women's title uh, thrown in there as well, after what happened on SmackDown the very next night, which we'll get to in a bit. But uh, beyond that, though, there's no other stipulation, it seems, that they're going to be adding to this match, nor should they at this point. A standard triple threat is all they need for this bout. So why even bother holding a beat-the-clock challenge if there's nothing on the line? There's zero purpose to this whatsoever. There was no reason for this to be held. What's even worse is that they once again made every member of the Riot Squad look like total losers. Ruby Riot, Sarah Logan, Liv Morgan have been buried six feet under since arriving on Raw about a year ago. There was a time Ruby Riot was impressive, like from week to week she was picking up victories over um, Sasha Banks and Bayley, and she was really kind of being showcased as a threat to the Raw Women's Championship, and that quickly died out. Then they were jobbed out to Banks and Bayley, and then Ronda Rousey, and Nia Jax, and this person, and then that person, and Alexa Bliss, and then whatever, everybody, everybody, Becky Lynch, everybody has been 
um, you know, destroying. The, the Riot Squad has been destroyed and has been fed to almost every woman on that Raw and SmackDown woman roster at one point or another. To the point where I feel like they're just better off splitting up at this point, coming out of the next Superstar shakeup. Send two of the women like uh, Logan and um, Logan and Morgan to SmackDown and let Ruby Riot shine on Raw. Or vice versa, send Ruby Riot to SmackDown and let the other two just sink or swim on their own on Raw. Because at this point, they are zero threat to anybody. And I see no reason why they should continue to be buried if it's not doing anyone any favors. Ruby Riot specifically is very talented and is a championship caliber competitor if they chose to showcase her as, shot, as such. But they haven't in a very long time. Now, I know she got a championship shot at Elimination Chamber um, about last month, I think, about a month ago. Amounted to nothing. She got beaten like a minute. She got way more offense in the next net on Raw, but was once again defeated in clean fashion. To the point where you ask yourself, why did she even get a title shot in the first place if she has lost far more than she's won since arriving on Raw a year ago? It makes zero sense. The booking of the Riot Squad has been bothering me for a while now, just because not only does it hurt them, but the people who beat them also gain nothing from it, because it's been well established by this point that the Riot Squad mean absolutely nothing. So I was not a fan of this Beat the Clock Challenge, which was won by Becky Lynch, and that's great for her, but this ended up serving zero purpose. So I'm not really sure why they booked this thing, other than just to hype the the fact that we're getting a um, Raw Women's Championship three-way at WrestleMania next Sunday. We had a two-on-one handicap match, so between the Beat the Clock shit and handicap matches, WWE still going all out with their dumb gimmicks and stipulations on Raw and SmackDown, which don't do anyone any favors. And that goes for the gauntlet matches, too. Because for as well-wrestled as they are, and Kofi Kingston has been spotlighted in a major way in those gauntlets and the rest of the New Day as well, I feel like we've seen a million of them in the last month or two. They need to halt it with these stipulations that could work in certain uh, certain situations, certain circumstances, but when you do them every goddamn week, they lose their luster very quickly. They lose any sort of specialness that they have within a matter of a week or two. Because WWE never ceases to run things that work into the fucking ground. And that goes for all these sort of stipulations, including the handicap match. Which, if they never never did another one, I would never complain. Just because the whole 2-on-1, 3-on-1 bullshit, we see it all the time with these heel authority figures. And I just don't, I, I thought we moved past that after Baron Corbin was fired as the Raw GM. Why are we still getting this shit? Why are we still getting handicap matches as regularly as we are. I don't get it. But uh, Finn Balor faced off with Bobby Lashley and his partner Jinder Mahal with the opportunity to vie for the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania on the line. So it was supposed to see Balor up against Bobby and Leo Rush. But Leo Rush said, hey, I got hurt by Braun Strowman last week. I can't compete, replacing me. And I'm thinking like, oh, some big intimidating partner, someone like an Elias or... God knows who, a Drew McIntyre maybe. Nope, it was Jinder fucking Mahal. You would think Bobby Lashley, of all people, watches the show and would realize that Jinder Mahal is a loser. Yes, the guy's a former WWE champion. They said that on commentary no more than a, no less than a dozen times on Monday night. But it doesn't change the fact that the guy has been persona non grata on Monday Night Raw for close to a year now. He's the ultimate enhancement talent. You team up with him, you're guaranteed to lose. So if anyone's to blame here, it's absolutely Bobby Lashley. 
for not realizing that sooner. Unless it was Leo Russian's storyline who decided it was a good idea to have Jinder Mahal serve as a surrogate and compete for him in this match. Who ended up taking the losing fall to Finn Balor, surprise, surprise. And now Finn Balor is going for the gold again at WrestleMania. I said this last week, or the week before, or some other episode, but Finn Balor and Bobby Lashley, for me at WrestleMania, is not a WrestleMania-worthy match. Their chemistry is just not there. It's nearly non-existent. And I love Finn Balor, and there's a very good chance he walks out of WrestleMania, the new champion, after becoming the demon and overcoming the almighty Bobby Lashley because he can't do it on his own, blah, 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 even though he did a fucking elimination chamber. Um, That's all great and all, but... The match itself just feels fucking kickoff show worthy. And I like Bobby Lashley too. But we've seen the match enough times to the point where I don't care. I do not care about seeing Bobby Lashley and Finn Finn Balor for the upteenth time. And if there was any time to do a multi-man match for a mid-card championship and like a ladder match or whatever the fuck, it would be now. It would be with Balor and Bobby Lashley. Because as it stands right now, I have no interest in that match at WrestleMania, regardless of who wins. We've already seen Finn Balor as Intercontinental Champion. It would be one thing if Balor was in chase mode, and he had yet to win the title. But he won about a month or so ago, and he lost it within three weeks. So why should I care to see him regain it, when we've already seen him as champion no more than a month or two ago? I don't understand that. Bobby Lashley's second reign has been no better than his first reign, which was completely forgettable. So this feud isn't doing anyone any favors, when all it is, is 50-50 booking. They're still in the same place they were a few months ago. So again, it could end up being a very good match, but this feud has been... has been something else. It hasn't been terrible, it's just not intriguing or compelling in the slightest. I literally could not give two fucks about Bobby Lashley versus Finn Balor at WrestleMania. More power to Finn Balor if he can walk out as the new Intercontinental Champion... But even then, why should I care? Because WWE has already proven that they see no worth in that Intercontinental Championship. Or at least haven't in close to a year since Seth Rollins first held it, coming out of WrestleMania 34. Ever since he lost the belt a number of months ago, it's it's meant absolutely nothing. So why the hell should I care about it if the company themselves does not care about this championship? Aleister Black and Ricochet teamed up again on Monday's Raw after a rare week off for Aleister Black. Uh, They reunited on Monday's Raw to take on the Raw Tag Team Champions of the Revival and non-title action. Another quality contest. These two teams, they have good chemistry. So unlike Balor and Bobby Lashley, they have good chemistry. I like their matches. But the issue is, we've already seen a million times before. We've seen this match happen at least two or three other times prior to Monday's Raw. So to do it again... Just to have Black and Ricochet earn themselves another opportunity at the Raw Tag Team titles. And that's all fine. That's dandy and all. But why not have them earn the opportunity another way? Is really the only way WWE knows how to build up contenders is by having them beat the champions in non-title action? It makes the champions look like scrubs. Like they don't deserve to be champions in the first place. When you do that every now and again, it's fine. I'm okay with it. But when you do it with every champion every fucking week... They start to wonder why people don't care about their champions and people don't take their championship matches, you know, seriously. They don't give two shits about these championship matches or whenever a title's on the line, which should usually feel like a big deal. But when it happens, and you know the champions have a very good chance of retaining after already losing to the number one contenders in non-title action, it starts to lose its, you know, any momentum or a hook or specialness about it. 
So I'm not a big fan of Black and Ricochet beating the Revival again. Not to say that the Revival should have beaten Black and Ricochet, but the Revival desperately needs some wins here. They lose every week. Every week. Unless the championships are on the line, which they were um, at Fastlane, and only in that circumstance did they win. Every other match prior to that point, they lost on Raw. They lost to DIY. They lost to Black and Ricochet. I'm sure they've lost to Bobby Roode and Chad Gable at some other point. They have lost to everybody in the last number of weeks since becoming Raw Tag Team Champions prior to Elimination Chamber. So, again, why should I care about Black and Ricochet versus The Revival Part 4 or 5 when the match has already been done to death and we know Black and Ricochet can beat The Revival? I'm not a fan of it. I want Black and Ricochet to walk out the Raw Tag Team Champions, but I feel like it's almost better if they're showcased on their own and not you know, dragged into this Raw Tag Team Division mess. Because the division is a complete mess. SmackDown is a bit better off. They had some better teams overall between the New Day, the Hardys, the Usos, the Bar, so on and so forth. But as of right now, the Raw Tag Team Division is in fucking shambles. And I almost hope Black and Ricochet don't win the belts eventually and can break off into the mid-card scene and can compete for the Intercontinental Championship instead. Because as of right now, the Raw Tag Team Division, anything that it touches turns to death. Just nobody cares. Nobody could really invest in this tag team division with the amount of talent they have on it, which isn't really that much at all. The Revival are great. Block and Ricochet are great. But when those are the only two teams that you can really invest in, that's an issue. Drew McIntyre uh, came out to call out Roman Reigns once again after challenging him to a match at WrestleMania last week. Roman Reigns emerged to confront McIntyre, accepted the challenge to face him at WrestleMania 35, so it's now official for the card, which is a very good match. Um, this feud, despite coming out of really nowhere a few weeks ago, has been built up fairly well. It's a fairly simple build with McIntyre taking out Dean Ambrose, beating Seth Rollins, attacking Roman Reigns, targeting his family, targeting his cancer, which I'm not a big fan of, to be per- to be perfectly honest with you. Um, there's other ways of building heat between two people without having McIntyre bring up the fact that Roman Reigns had cancer, and that, oh, if you could be cancer, you, but you can't be me, blah, blah, blah. Like, I would just leave that be. If WWE's doing that because they want Roman to be cheered, that's sickening. The guy's already being cheered. He got a very good reaction on Monday's Raw, which was honestly surprising, knowing that they were in Chicago, I believe. They were in Chicago's for Monday's Raw, and uh, these guys got a... He, he, he got a very good reaction. McIntyre got a very good reaction for a heel, like in terms of people were actually booing him over Roman Reigns. And that's a first. So, so far, this feud has been going exactly how WWE likely envisioned it going, which is great. And I'm sure the match will be very good, too. Uh, we have yet to see them one-on-one um, in, in, a, in the ring. But I'm sure the match will be great. And at this point, it doesn't really matter who wins. I'm sure Roman Reigns will win. McIntyre won't be hurt any by it. Um, it's his first, I believe, singles match at WrestleMania. So it's a pretty, pretty big spot to be in, which is great. But he can always rebound. It's not a big deal. Um, he was all over this show between this, attacking Roman Reigns, beating the living shit out of him, and then facing Dean Ambrose a little later on in the show in a Falls Count Anywhere match, which, uh, not Falls Count Anywhere, we saw that a few weeks ago, which I thought was very good. On this show, he faced off with Ambrose in a last man standing match. That was a total disappointment. Uh, maybe it was just because they were short for time or what have you. I'm not really sure what the exact reasoning was because they weren't given a ton of time. There was one or two commercial breaks, so they lacked the flow, the real flow that they needed to make this a great main event, a must-see main event, but it was far from it. It felt like any other average match, and the match ended abruptly, too. 
I was glad McIntyre went over clean, but I didn't do Ambrose or any, really anybody any favors because the match wasn't what it could have been. On the bright side, though, McIntyre continues to shine as the lead heel on Monday Night Raw, beating the holy hell out of Dean Ambrose, beating Seth Rollins, beating the shit out of Roman Reigns. This guy is the clear vanquisher of the Shield. He's already beaten Rollins and Ambrose one-on-one. Now he just has to beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania to uh, pull off the hat trick. So I'm looking forward to the match at WrestleMania for sure. Sasha Banks and her native Boston faced off with Natalia in singles action in Monday's Raw. Pretty good match. Um, I thought it was a good match. Once again, though, ending in a non-finish thanks to interference from fucking Tamina and Nia Jax. These two goofs again. They have done nothing to warrant them being in the Raw, or not the Raw, but the WWE Women's Tag Team title picture. It's a total waste. It's a complete waste. I'm not sure why they're still in the Tag Team title picture, because they lost that Elimination Chamber. They lost at Fastlane. They've lost in every other match I've seen them in since that point. So why are they still gunning for the tag team titles? Or at the very least, why are they being afforded tag team championship opportunities? They are total losers. And if they walk out the new tag team champions at WrestleMania, this division is already dead because they're awful. And ruining matches like this won't do anyone any favors. Uh, That's another thing too. Official for WrestleMania is the Boston Hug Connection versus the Divas of Doom, Natalia and Beth Phoenix. The Iconics, Nia Jackson, Tamina, that's a fatal four-way for the women's tag team titles, which does nothing for me. I'd rather see Banks and Bailey versus, like, I don't want to say the Bella Twins, but, like, Trish and Lita, or, you know, someone like that. Or at least the Divas of Doom, because it's not a nostalgia act like Trish and Lita, but they're not full-time competitors either. I mean, Natalia is, Beth Phoenix is, and I doubt she'll become a regular member of the roster again. After, Wrestle- after WrestleMania, this is really kind of a one-off appearance. But the Divas of Doom versus Banks and Bailey is a perfect match to do at WrestleMania. Regardless of what happened, you know, Natalia's father being inducted into the Hall of Fame that same weekend. It's a great story to tell, and I don't want them to win, but it would be a great match. There's no reason for the Iconics to be in there. Now, I know they beat Banks and Bailey in last week's SmackDown, but there was no reason for that to happen either. That was totally also completely stupid. Because um, the Iconics have been glorified losers since debuting on SmackDown after WrestleMania last year. And I like the Iconics, but for them to be shoehorned into the title picture out of nowhere because of only one win over Banks and Bailey makes very little sense, and it waters down the match even more. So hopefully it's like elimination stipulation, which I'd be surprised if it was, just because they don't really have much time at WrestleMania uh, with so many matches taking place. But uh, I, I would prefer the standard two-on-two approach, but what we're getting instead... There is still hope that it could be a good match. We had the return of Moment of Bliss, this time with uh, Braun Strowman and the host of uh, the Weekend Update on SNL Saturday Night Live, Colin Jost and Michael Che, who we've seen on Raw a few different occasions in recent weeks after they uh, appeared on Raw a few weeks back, were confirmed to be the social correspondents, I believe was their title, for WrestleMania 35. That's all well and good. They took it a step too far this week, by being named two entrants in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Now, granted, it's not exactly like the Battle Royals, the most prestigious match in the world. It's not like the winners have ever really earned anything. Uh, Matt Hardy being a prime example of the guy. I love Matt Hardy, but the guy's done nothing since, I mean, he was Raw Tag Team Champion for a cup of coffee last year. Big whoop. Before that, it was Mojo Rawley who went on to do nothing in WWE after winning that Battle Royal two years ago, WrestleMania 33. Three years ago, Baron Corbin... Was off to a solid start, debuting on the main roster and winning the Battle Royal. I thought that was cool. 
went on to do nothing later on in 2016. So again, uh, this battle royal is just completely pointless. So maybe that's their way of getting them in a match without doing it in too important of a match. Who knows? But as long as it's relegated to the kickoff show, and I don't have to see too much of these goofs in one match, and it also speaks volumes that no one else has been announced yet, but if that's what it takes, then so be it. Because if this limits their role on the show to just the kickoff show, that's perfect. But like I said, as of right now, I was thinking about this earlier, WrestleMania is next Sunday. The only three people to throw their name into the hat for this match are Braun Strowman and then two people who aren't even real wrestlers, who aren't even in-ring competitors. So that speaks volumes about this battle royal and how many people are desperately wanting to win it, which goes to show that nobody at all wants to enter this thing because they know it's a curse to have to win it. So we'll see who else enters it, but I'm sure they're trying to figure out the lay of the land for the WrestleMania card figure out if they're going to be doing, you know, like a Raw Tag Team title match or a SmackDown Tag Team title match or whatever it might be before they name, you know, the competitors for the matchup. But for just Braun Strowman and then two people from Saturday Night Live to be entered into this match two weeks before WrestleMania, again, tells you everything you need to know about how WWE views the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. We've heard nothing about the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal, by the way. That was a big thing last year. Oh, it's going to become an annual tradition. It's a big deal. Get the fucking uterus of a trophy. Amounted to nothing. Naomi won. Did nothing in last last year in 2018. Maybe they realized it was a waste. Who knows? Because they already have multiple women's matches at WrestleMania. Including a tag title match. Uh, the Raw Women's Championship match. This year... You know, with Asuka not being a part of anything right now, and I don't know. I could definitely see them doing the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal, as they probably should, but the fact they haven't announced it yet is concerning. That's my point here. Baron Corbin avenged his loss to Apollo Crews from last week by beating him here. Um, the match was fine, but the whole Baron Corbin-Kurt Angle shit is just a total waste. It's a waste of a match of a retirement for Kurt Angle when you can have him face someone uh, way more high-profile than uh, fucking Baron Corbin. It's a waste. I went on a massive rant about it last week, so I won't do it again here, but I'm not a big fan of Angle versus Corbin whatsoever, and I know I'm not alone based off the reaction to the match um, on social media last week. And also in the arena, people were not happy when they heard that that Angle had had chose Corbin to be his last opponent ever at WrestleMania 35. Um, Hopefully that change is either on the go-home show or at WrestleMania itself, but something tells me they won't budge and they're going to keep it Angle versus Corbin. Seth Rollins emerged to talk about his upcoming encounter with Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship at WrestleMania. Uh, was soon to be interrupted by Paul Heyman. Good segment. I thought it was okay. Nothing we haven't heard before. And uh, as I've said previously, this feud is just on fucking ice right now. It's ridiculous how, how little people care about the Universal Championship match going into WrestleMania. There is zero hype surrounding this match whatsoever. And it's sad because the belt should mean more than it does. But people just don't care. There is, again, like I said, little hype for Angle and Rollins, or not Angle and Rollins, Lesnar and Rollins at WrestleMania. And as I mentioned at the start of the show, it could be a great match for all we know based off the chemistry they've shown before. But as of right now, there is zero excitement for Lesnar and Rollins at WrestleMania. And this week's segment did nothing to change that whatsoever. The latest opponent for Kurt Angle on his farewell tour was none other than the United States champion, a very familiar foe to him, uh, Samoa Joe. This was announced a few hours before Raw. This was great to see. Angle and Joe 
had a hell of a few during their TNA days back in the day, and I thought there was no chance that anyone from SmackDown would be facing Angle on his retirement tour. Um, and I'm glad to have been wrong, because we got Joe here. Angle appeared on SmackDown on Tuesday to face AJ Styles, and now he's going to be facing Rey Mysterio on next week's Raw. So this report that Angle is indeed choosing his final opponents on the road to WrestleMania is very likely. I absolutely believe that, because I find it very hard to believe that WWE themselves would want Angle to face people that we know that he has history with from over 10 years ago. In Samoa Joe, in AJ Styles, in Rey Mysterio. People from SmackDown, which at this point, fuck the brand split. Brand split be damned, because it means nothing. But whatever. Uh, of course, this wasn't on the level of their instant classics from their you know TNA days a decade ago. But it was still, you know, a good match while it lasted. The second half I thought was entertaining. They worked well together. They all they hit their signature spots, all their signature moves and whatnot. And Angle emerged victorious. I'm not a fan of Joe losing as often as he has been because it makes him as a champion look completely, vul- not just vulnerable, but like that he lacks credibility. And he's already lost matches to Rey Mysterio, um, Kofi Kingston, and now Kurt Angle. And none of these people, aside from Mysterio, are getting title shots. So for him to continue to lose, not a big fan of that whatsoever. Um, but this was a good match, and I was glad that Angle was fa- able to face Samoa Joe before he retires at WrestleMania. I thought that was really cool. Triple H appeared to agree to um, put his career on the line at WrestleMania against Batista. Batista, I guess, was making a big deal about how I might pull out of WrestleMania, blah, blah, blah. Batista was not on this show. But uh, Triple H did address him here in terms of, um, you know, what's going on at WrestleMania, will the match happen, blah, blah, blah. Triple H is like, well, the match is going to happen because I'm going to make sure it happens. But if Batista wants to pull out, I will say this. If we do have the match at WrestleMania... I will put my career on the line. So that's an added stipulation for their no-holds-barred match at WrestleMania. And uh, I'm looking forward to the match, just based off their history and the chemistry I know they have from over a decade ago, which, of course, nearly isn't as strong as it was back in 2005, but it could be an entertaining encounter nonetheless. The whole, I'll put my career on the line, to me, makes it that much more obvious that Triple H is winning. Because not only have we seen this same shit before, we saw this shit... In this exact same building, six years ago to the day, at WrestleMania 29, when Triple H faced Brock Lesnar, and the whole stipulation behind that was like, oh, if I lose, I'm done. Obviously, Triple H wasn't done. He didn't retire, and he won. So, I thought that was a real stipulation, a real dumb stipulation then, and I think it's a real dumb stipulation to do now. So, I'm not a fan of that. And we all figured Triple H was winning anyway, But to kind of like shove it in your face that, hey, I'm definitely not losing at WrestleMania, I I just think that's pretty dumb. But uh, I'm looking forward to the match, though. Hopefully they can give us one strong segment, uh, interaction or whatever, on next week's Go Home Show to sell people on this match that haven't already been sold on the feud so far. In the aforementioned main event, Drew McIntyre, Dean Ambrose, Falls Count Anywhere match, or I keep seeing Falls Count Anywhere. It was last man standing. Uh, McIntyre went over in decisive, clean fashion. Good shit. Uh, The match could have been better with more time, but it was all right for what it was. And overall, this Raw just did not do a ton for me. To sell me any more on WrestleMania than I already was already sold on this show. And of course, I'm going, so I'm excited for the event. Regardless of what WWE does. But for everyone else, they really should be making a stronger effort to sell people on this pay-per-view. Because right now, excitement, anticipation levels in the toilet. And they only have one week left 
to make people care about this event. And as of now, it's they're, they're not doing themselves many favors by wasting so much television time on shit that nobody cares about between Raw and SmackDown. Mostly Raw, but SmackDown too, to an extent. Hopefully they can get their shit together and sell people on the fact that this could be a very good WrestleMania if it's executed properly. To finish off the show here, SmackDown Live from Tuesday Night Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, if I'm not uh, mistaken. I've been living in Connecticut for close to fucking 23, 24 years, and I do not know how to properly pronounce the name of this city, as I said at the start of the show. But it was at the Mohegan Sun Arena, a very good arena, as I mentioned. Would definitely go back there for more wrestling shows, other events. Uh, there's a lot of shit to do in the uh, in the building, so I thought that was cool. The show itself, I thought, was very good. Um, just being there in person for it, I thought, was a very enjoyable experience and whatnot. Watching it back on TV, taking myself out of the equation for a second, assuming I wasn't there, this was not a great episode of SmackDown by any means. I thought it had more hits than misses. There were definitely things about the show I did not like, um, and some definitely questionable booking decisions. And, um, but overall, though, I thought the crowd was good. It was pretty full for the most part. And um, it did a way better job than Raw did of selling me on WrestleMania. I thought it, the WrestleMania build was better than usual, at least compared to Raw. But um, it was a fun two hours for sure. We kicked off the show with the New Day calling out Mr. McMahon, demanding another shot at the WWE Championship for Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania. And Big E and Xavier Woods threatened to leave. They threatened to quit. They said, if, you know, Kofi doesn't get what he's, you know, deserves, what he's earned by this point. Then we're leaving. McMahon called him out on their bullshit, and he said, Oh, you're not actually going to leave. Why would you leave? Blah, blah, blah. You're bluffing. Daniel Bryan came out. He said a few words. That led to McMahon making it official that it will be a tag team gauntlet main event on this show. And if the New Day's uh, Big E and Xavier Woods could survive the gauntlet, then, <coughs> excuse me, then Kofi would face Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. So a good opening segment we've heard way better from McMahon in the past. Uh, the New Day have been especially excellent in this feud. Um, they've dumped all the dumb shit, all the uh, goofy, over-the-top parts of their characters and have really toned it up a notch, turned it up a notch in terms of the seriousness and all that other stuff. I thought that was great. So, good, you know, good stuff here that set up the main event of SmackDown effectively. After that, we heard from Becky Lynch in a backstage interview who called out Charlotte Flair for not bringing anything to the table. Uh, Ronda Rousey, Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch won the Rumble. What has Charlotte done to justify her position in this Raw Women's title match? Absolutely nothing is the answer to that question. So, Charlotte Flair demanded a worthy opponent on this show. We found out it was Asuka, and that she was facing Asuka for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I don't know who signed off on this from a booking standpoint, whether it be in real life or in the show, whatever, but this made absolutely no sense. Charlotte, I mean, she's a big star and all, but as I've said time and time again, she has lost far more than she's won since uh, since coming back late last summer. She won the SmackDown Women's Championship back at SummerSlam, and that was it. She has lost every pay-per-view match that she's had since then, aside from Super Showdown, where she won by DQ. Beyond that, though, she has been the queen loser of pay-per-view in WWE. So for her to be going for the Raw Women's Championship at all is a waste to me. But then to turn around and put a belt on her when she's done nothing to earn the opportunity only further infuriated me. And the match was great. Probably the best match I saw all week on WWE TV was between Charlotte and um, Charlotte and Asuka for the SmackDown Women's title. But it just fucking pisses me off. They just treat Asuka like total shit. They have booked her into an oblivion. 
over the last God knows how many months. Ever really since she got signed to SmackDown? Because even before that, she lost to Charlotte at WrestleMania, which I was not a big fan of. I was not in favor of that decision. But really, ever since her move to SmackDown, she has been a complete afterthought. And her winning the SmackDown Women's Championship back at TLC in December has not changed that at all. She beat Becky Lynch at the Rumble and was not shown on TV for three weeks. Her face could only be seen on the back of milk cartons. So again, her reign was a waste. They ended it in anticlimactic fashion. The crowd went nuts when she won. I was shocked. Alexis was shocked. We were all shocked. And the match was great, but... I, I don't know what this means. I really don't. Are they merging the women's championships coming out of WrestleMania? Should they merge the women's championships coming out of WrestleMania? Now, personally, I've always been a big proponent of the brand split. You guys know this. I've been talking about this for years now. I am in full favor of a brand split in WWE. But we only have one unified women's tag team title, as we should. To have two straps, uh, two sets of women's tag team titles, two women tag team title straps, whatever you want to call it, belt, blah, 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 would be stupid, would be dumb. When the divisions are as dead, as lifeless as they have been for such a long time now, that would be, that would be stupid. It would be dumb to have two sets of tag team titles. At this point, is it really any different for the singular women's championships in WWE? The Raw Women's Championship picture has been occupied by Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch and Charlotte, which even though they're on SmackDown, and Nia Jax for months. Nobody else. Alexa Bliss was a constant in the title picture. But that's beyond that that's about it. That's about it. Banks and Bailey have been fully enthrottled in this um you know, fully throttled into this WWE women's tag team picture, and that's great, but the Raw Women's Championship picture has suffered outside of Ronda Rousey. And the same can be said for the SmackDown Women's Championship picture as well. Asuka Would have been a great choice to rehab that title, but she has done nothing as champion since winning the belt back at TLC in December. So coming out of WrestleMania, it might honestly be for the best to merge those two titles and have a traveling champion between Raw and between SmackDown. Because the SmackDown women's division has been dead for a while now, outside of Becky and Charlotte, who seem to make more appearances on Raw than they do on SmackDown. On SmackDown, there is Asuka, who means nothing at this point, um, Lacey Evans, we don't know where she's going. They have, who else? Mandy Rose, Sonya, the Iconics. All good talent. They're not, you know, championship caliber competitors yet, but they're still good. Naomi, who's been irrelevant for months now. It's it's probably better off, to be honest, that they have one unified championship to match the unified tag team titles. I guess we'll find out come Monday's Raw, because they won't announce that the championship is going to be in the line until Monday's Raw. But if you have Charlotte walk into WrestleMania um, as SmackDown Women's Champion, but not have her put the belt on the line, then why the hell did they put the belt on the line in the first place? Why did they put the belt on her to begin with? I thought that was incredibly stupid. So either way, I'm not a fan of where they're going with this. I feel like it's a lose-lose. Um, but I guess we'll find out come Monday's Raw. We were supposed to see Kurt Angle versus AJ Styles on the show, but it was interrupted a minute in by Randy Orton, which pissed everyone in the arena off. I was pissed. Alexis was pissed. Everybody was pissed. It's a fine way to build towards AJ and Orton, and I'm sure they were short on time because of the opening segment, and then Charlotte and Asuka in the main event all took up a ton of television time. But it was really unfortunate that the first and likely only AJ and uh, Angle match in WWE had to end on such an underwhelming note by disqualification after only a minute. If it was like a 10-minute match that's different, the match was only a minute. We saw a Styles Clash. We saw, not a Styles Clash. We saw the uh, Calf Crusher 
and we saw the ankle lock. That was about it before Orton interrupted it, hit the RKO, and we're like, shit, the match is over. So that sucked. And it would be one thing, it's like, okay, they're setting up Angle and Orton for some other point. Well, they were promoting this as Angle's last ever SmackDown match. So I don't think that's in the cards, which is pretty bullshit. The Miz, though, thankfully helped get the show back on track with a great promo here. Talking about Shane, challenging Shane to a false Count Anywhere match at Mania. The match is already official, but they're simply adding the false Count Anywhere stipulation, which I think is great. It plays to Shane's strengths. I thought that was really, really smart. Uh, this overall segment I thought was very well done. Miz was great. The crowd was very much into him. Shane played his role remarkably well as the asshole heel here. Um, we had the losers trying to thwart Miz's plan to, you know, get the Shane, that being like Primo and Shelton insanity, whatever. But I thought this was a very strong segment overall. In the main event, the gauntlet match, Big E and Xavier having to overcome first Gallows and Anderson, who are obviously on their way out of the company if their minute squash to New Day was any indication. So they're clearly on their way out. Um, so they beat Gallows and Anderson. They beat Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. They beat The Bar. The Usos came out, forfeited because of their respect for the New Day, and then Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan, who also fell short by countout. So that was great. The crowd erupted. One of the loudest pops they've ever heard. Kofi is so over right now. They'd be asinine. They'd be remarkably stupid to not put the belt on Kofi come WrestleMania. But this was great. It was a very good way to end the show. Kofi and Bryan now official for WrestleMania. And I thought it was a very... Um, positive ending to wrestle uh, to WrestleMania to uh, SmackDown last night. Overall, I thought it was a good show. I enjoyed myself. It may not have come across as well on television because of some of the booking decisions made, but um, I thought it was a good show. I enjoyed myself. Great to be back at SmackDown for the first time since August. And now we have WrestleMania weekend to look forward to, Alexis and I, um, next weekend. So speaking of which, next week you're in WrestleRant Radio. RJ and I breaking down all things WrestleMania and NXT TakeOver New York. So stay tuned for a very special edition of WrestleRant Radio next Thursday. Not only on NextDayWrestling.net, but also on iTunes with RJ and I breaking down our previews, picks, and predictions for both WrestleMania 35 and NXT TakeOver New York. Going to be likely more than an hour-long show this week. We had to run a little bit short. I have to get going in a few minutes. But uh, again, you can check out all the photos and videos they took from SmackDown here on the website on NextDayWrestling.net and also on YouTube. The video should be up by hopefully Friday. With all that being said, guys, check me out on the socials, on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook at Facebook.com, backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews, and also on YouTube, YouTube.com, backslash C, backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. New episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single week, not only on NextDayWrestling.net, but also on iTunes. Simply search up WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app. You get every new episode on Thursdays and every archived episode dating back to October of 2013. So until next week's big WrestleMania spectacular, folks, enjoy the rest of the road to WrestleMania. I'm Graham Jason Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road.